Oh, hey there. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Contagiously Positive, the podcast. I'm Laurieann Sheldrick, life coach dubbed the Contagiously Positive Girl, and every single week I will be sharing my experiences that I've turned into life lessons and actionable steps and tools and practices that you can use to experience emotional and mental freedom. Let's begin. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the Unleash Your Inner Contagiously Positive podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've been on a bit of a hiatus from the podcast lately because I've been busy digitizing all of my in-person workshops because it looks like I won't be back doing corporate or in-person personal workshops um, probably until 2022 when that industry finally gets opened up again. So I've just been digitizing everything and having um, now having so much fun doing it. When I first started it, it was so stressful, so challenging on the technical side and figuring out how to change the dynamic from in-person to online. But now I'm having so much fun and I've gotten into the flow. And I've also been um, really focusing on providing the most helpful coaching emails that I can for uh, my Contagiously Positive community. It's a free community. It's an email that I send out every two weeks and I've really been focusing on that and providing tools and practices um, that the members can practice for two weeks and really connect, hopefully manage stress and connect with their inner guide and really work through the challenges and the experiencing experiences we've been experiencing in 2020 and then moving forward. And then just on the blog. So I took a little bit of a hiatus so that I could create more. And now that I'm back, I'm so excited and I'm coming back with brand new longer form uh, format. And I will have some short little nuggets as well that I'm going to share um, throughout 2021. So I'm really excited. And thank you for being here. And thank you for listening. Today, I have something really special for you. I'm going to do two things today. One, um, we're going to have a conversation about stress. This whole conversation that we're having today on the podcast is about stress and managing stress and managing the mental and emotional impact that stress has on you. So what I did was I got my best friend, Jolene Watson, to come and join me and have a little conversation about stress. She is a stress and change management expert. She's a Myers-Briggs practitioner. Like She's absolutely amazing. So I thought it would be really wonderful to get her feedback and really have a conversation um, around stress with her. So I am sharing that. You can go into the show notes for when that conversation begins. But what I'm going to do first is I want to have a conversation with you um, about stress and what stress means and um, the impact that stress can have on you. And then after my conversation with Jolene, again, all of these timestamps are in the show notes for you. I'm going to share with you one practice that you can practice um, very easily because I want to share the most simplest of practices so that we don't have any excuse not to practice them. And I'll share one practice that you can use to help you to manage the emotional and the mental impact that external stressors are having on you. So that's how we're going to do the format of this talk. I'm really excited. What I really want to share with you today, and the whole reason why I wanted to have Jolene on as well, um, is a little 
look, an inside look, if you will, into one of the digital workshops that I created, which is stress management. So I used to facilitate this stress management workshop, and now I'm calling it an emotional management workshop because if we look at stress through a different lens, what we begin to see is that stress really is an emotional game. It's a mental game. And for many of us, our days are really like consistently where we're being in a stressed out energetic state. Because on a daily basis and often on a repetitive basis, we become very overwhelmed by fear and limiting beliefs and guilt and anxiety and stress and to-do lists and constant noise and busyness and requests and complaints and our to-do list, all of those things, right? And we get stuck in this state oftentimes repetitively from the time that we wake up until our head hits the pillow and then we go into a restless sleep and then we wake up the next day and we do it all over again. And this isn't because you're doing anything wrong. It's because we've created the habit of responding to external stressors in this way. And It's also societal program, it's personal programming, it's external programming, and we take on a lot. And if that resonates with you and you can start to see or you've already been starting to see how you're on this stress roller coaster and in this stressed out energetic state all day, every single day, You're on the roller coaster of stress, which is that hustle, 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 do, 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 stress, 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 work, 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 give yourself a little self-care or be forced to because you get sick or you get burnt out. And then that feels like work. The work that you have to do for self-care feels like work. And then you repeat and you go back into that endless cycle again. So I've been a workshop facilitator um, for a really long time. I started facilitating a stress management workshop about two, about 10 years ago. And when I first began facilitating, stress management was the top workshop that I was getting hired to do. I actually worked for another company, a facilitating company. Um, So it wasn't my content at the beginning that I was teaching. And what I began to realize from the content that I was teaching was that there was this really big missing piece, um, especially in most of the stress management workshops that I was facilitating and the ones that I was seeing. And the missing piece was processing the emotional impact that external stressors have on us. And that is what I do in my work as a life coach, as a facilitator, as a speaker, as content creator. I help my clients to process the emotional and mental impact that stressors cause on them, but that just get in the way from them being, doing, and having all that they want to be, do, and have. I help them to strengthen their emotional and mental muscles. That's what we do as coaches. So All the workshops that I was seeing back in the day were about time management and positive communication and team building and knowing what our stressors are, which were all so important and it's all so important, all really important pieces of the puzzle, but I wasn't seeing anything that discussed the emotional and mental impact and that is what I want to talk about today. That's what Jolene and I talk about um, and that is the practice that I'm going to give you at the end of this podcast as well because most of us 
us are only talking about and giving tools on how to control external circumstances, which makes us feel um, like control freaks because there's so much outside of us um, that we just can't control. We cannot control every single external circumstance. So we end up feeling hopeless and powerless and we end up feeling like failures all the time because the only 99% of the things that we can control are internal. So if all we're ever trying to do is control the external circumstances or the experience or even the person, the things that we have no control over, we actually never get off the stress roller coaster. We just keep looping. And I really want you to hear this. This is so important. You're not doing anything wrong. It isn't because you're not trying. You are trying. And I know that you're trying. You're trying really hard and you're doing all the things and you're listening to all the things and you're doing all the practices and you're managing your to-do list and you're learning all of these new tools and formats and processes. All are really amazing. But If you feel like you're still stuck on the loop, one thing that might be getting you caught on that loop is potentially that you're bypassing your emotions. And what I mean by that is how the stressor, the thing that's happening externally, is making you feel internally. Because if you don't deal with that, if you don't deal, if you don't heal that, And it stays with you even when the external stressor is gone. You just constantly get triggered by the same thing over and over and over again. Um, Or you just keep following these same patterns. You're looping on this roller coaster and now you have these stress neurons in your brain and neurons that wire together, fire together. So you're in the habit of reacting, responding, thinking, behaving, making decisions and having an attitude based on that stress response that stress response that is making you feel mentally and emotionally depleted if you will. And one of the things that I talk about often, and I talk about this in my digital workshop as well, um, and I've talked about it on the podcast is, It's not about taking bubble baths and having weekly massages um, or sitting on a meditation pillow. All of those things are really wonderful and I highly recommend them. But stress and burnout is much deeper than that. It's about your life. It's about your well-being. It's about your happiness. But most importantly, it's about your mental, emotional, and physical health. Because if you're spending the majority of your time, if you have taken up permanent residence in Stressville, you're most likely experiencing or about to experience burnout and you're most likely feeling emotional and mental fatigue that is coming from not dealing with and healing the emotional side of stress. So what this is and what we do in the, the, the emotional management game that we play is about putting our, our butts back in the driver's seat of our life, just simply putting on our oxygen mask, not even first, but just putting it on because we're running out of air. And if we don't learn how to navigate the uh, emotional and mental impact of external stressors, we're going to be taking up permanent residence in Stressville and you can take every single stress management course that there is and never break that cycle. 
So we have to stop stuffing down our emotions. But most importantly, we have to stop feeling shame over the emotions that we feel or over the emotional and mental impact that external stressors are having on us and believing that we are weak if we have them. Because when we do that, we just become pressure cookers. It's not the load that weighs you down. It is the way you carry it, including everyone else's load. And what I want to get everyone into the mindset of doing is carrying the load with pride and confidence and strength without any shame and simply saying when they need to, this is too heavy for me right now. It is causing me to feel stressed. And that is what it is like when we deal with external stressors that are having a mental and emotional impact us in a negative way head on. Sometimes you can carry it. Sometimes you've got to put it down, right? You got to put it down. You can continue to carry it with the belief that it is all yours to carry and never put it down and you can hold yourself hostage, never feeling worthy or good enough, say yes to it all and then be ashamed to admit that you're feeling stressed until you get so burnt out that you are mentally, emotionally or phys- and physically just done, depleted or we can learn a new way. We can program our brains to to think in a different way, to behave in a different way, to react in a different way, to respond in a different way, in a way that supports us. But we have to shift the current belief that stress is all this stuff outside of us, everything external, and come back to what it really is. Those external things are stressors, not actually stress. Stress is the mental and emotional load and reaction caused by the external stressors. So if we're spending all our time trying to control those external things and our emotional and mental load continues to be overlooked, what do you think happens? Burnout. And we're experiencing a lot of that, right? Including societal and learned familial beliefs. These are beliefs that we need to start to shift. So when you heal the internal emotion that the external stressors are causing you, your stress story changes and that is what is so important and that is why I want to keep having this conversation about stress we're not going to unpack it in one workshop we're not going to unpack it in one podcast or one exercise it's continuously having this conversation gaining the knowledge that we need so it turns into wisdom because we are always going to have stressors in our lives when we change the story our response to the stress changes. We can say, I can handle this external circumstance. I can handle this challenge or experience. I can solve this problem. And even though it is really difficult right now, I know that it's possible. Even though I'm feeling the emotional and mental impact of this, I know that I'm going to be okay. I know that I can heal this. I know that I can deal with this even through the stress. But when we don't turn inward and we just keep piling it on or bypassing it entirely, never ending the stress that the stressor caused, the story becomes or is currently, I can't handle this. My life sucks. Why does this always happen to me? Woe is me. Here are all the problems with all of those solutions you just gave me. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to feel happy again. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get through this. There's no way I can do this. I feel hopeless. I feel like a failure. Nothing works out for me. 
So I want that stress story to change because again, when you heal the internal emotion that the external stressors are causing you, your stress story changes because it creates these programs in your brain. And I'm not... I'm not trying to get you to never experience stress and I talk about with this I talk about this with Jolene that's impossible. What I'm doing is I'm sharing with you less resistant ways and a new perspective and new belief systems to deal with the stressful conditions and experiences that are going to happen not if but when like hello 2020. And then I want to make sure that even when the stressor ends, the problem gets solved, the person who cut you off is gone. The the boss who yelled at you went home, the the pandemic ends, you're not taking the emotional and mental impact of that to bed with you every single night. 2020 was a, a big wake-up call that life happens, things are going to happen, but m- big things happen all the time, micro things happen all the time that compound our stress as well. Car breaks down, you're late for work, your purse gets stolen, you get relocated or demoted at work, your child gets sick and you have to take the day off, you get yelled at by a boss, your husband left the toilet seat up, no one helped you with the chores even though you didn't ask but you think they should have asked, you got cut off and then you're still pissed about it and stressed about it when you get home, you get home when you have to make dinner, oh my god you just think I can't make another dinner for the rest of my life. All of these little micro and micro and even macro stressors like the global pandemic are things that we have no control over. The only thing we can control is our reaction, how we will process the emotional impact it had, like getting it out so it so that we don't get sucked down by it or stuck by it, our attitude and our next action. And sometimes the action um is doing nothing and taking pause in our life. So unless you want to live in a bubble or on some magical pink cloud somewhere, we're going to experience external stressors. And that is why we're shifting our focus away from stress management to emotional management. And that is why I wanted to create an emotional management workshop instead of simply a stress management workshop that teaches you how to control external circumstances that we really have no control over because this is in emotional game. We are emotional beings even if you don't think you are. You're not just your mind. You're not just your body. You're also your emotions. Your emotions inform your decisions. And how often does the stressor end but you are still fuming about it, worrying about it, future tripping about it days later and it's keeping you up at night. That's why it's so important to end the cycle of stress. So what Jolene and I talk about is how we all have normal stressors, acute stressors. So what often happens, I'll give you an example. Um, The condition or change comes, the stress comes, you face it, you deal with it, you get used to it, it goes away, the stress response is over, your body relaxes and you are no longer feeling the emotional impact of that stressor. So think about a gazelle getting chased by a lion. The gazelle is scared, her stress response turns on, uh, her fight or flight kicks in, she runs, she gets to safety and once she's at, at, at once she's safe, the emotional um, and physical and mental um, stress is gone, right? She doesn't think about it for days because the chemicals in her body that made her run, her fight and flight, uh, goes away and then it's life as usual. So normal stress has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Stressor comes, you face the immediate threat, 
change, demand, challenge, problem, stressor goes because you've dealt with it, got used to it, solved it, or completed it. And then the stress is over. And the stress is where your body relaxes and you no longer feel the emotional, physical, or mental impact of it. Most of us, though, are stuck in what I call roller coaster stress, which is chronic stress. And this is where we get stuck between step one and step two in our fight and flight. Um, is is constantly turned on and never goes away and all those we take all those acute stressors to bed with us so the stressor comes the stressor goes but the stress our emotional and mental and physical response to it doesn't go away there was a beginning and a middle the external stressor is gone but there was no emotional and mental ending it is like the gazelle thinking that she is still being chased by the lion day in and day out even though the lion is gone and she's actually safe so what I want to do now is I want to head into the conversation with Jolene. We're going to have a conversation around stress, around this topic that I just talked about. And then at the end of my conversation with Jolene, I will share with you a practice that you can incorporate into your daily life to help you to end the process of stress so that you can get to step three which is the stressor ended I dealt with the problem um, I've dealt with the challenge and now I am dealing with the emotional and mental impact that that external stressor had on me so that I can go to bed at night with a relaxed nervous system so enjoy this conversation with Jolene Watson of Clarity Coaching and Development well, Jolene, welcome back to the Unleash Your Inner Contagiously Positive podcast. It's so nice not just to hear your voice, but to actually see your face in the screen in front of me. Obviously, the listeners can't see you, but it's so nice to see you. And I'm so happy to be having this conversation with you again since our last one last month just uh, just disappeared into the ether off of my computer. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. Oh, it's so nice. I love having these conversations with you because uh, we were just talking just before I pushed record that we always just wing it. We don't come prepared with questions. We just start chit-chatting about a specific topic and we just have an hour-long conversation about it. And I find that so useful because it's so often when we're having just a regular conversation, we always say, oh my God, we should have, we should have record, we should be recording this. And then you try and go back and talk about it again and it's just not as it's not the same right absolutely yeah so it's so timely um i wanted to talk today about stress management and i thought it would be really good to talk about that today for many reasons both of us have um have and facilitate a stress management workshop and also um both of us really understand that stress is high right now and the importance of having this conversation and what people can do to minimize the impact that it's having on their mental, emotional, and even physical well-being. So I thought I would really like to start with what is stress to you? Like what is your definition of stress when you're facilitating this workshop and explaining it? What is your definition of stress? So when I facilitate workshops, there's always a personality base. That's what I'm certified in. 
And with personality, there's something that is innate. You're born a specific way. The neuron structure of your brain is a specific way, and that is easy for you. It brings you joy. It brings you energy. That's your natural personality type. When we're under acute stress, what happens is we actually flip our personality type. So those areas that we've avoided, those areas that we're not good at, that we haven't practiced, the behavioral development's not there, they come straight to the surface. And there's a whole bunch of neurochemical things that happen. And I know you're an expert on that side of things with emotions, with the fight, flight, or freeze, the lack of oxygen to our brains, this all happens. But the personality side, I find just fascinating that that area that you haven't used will come to the surface, kind of like Jekyll and Hyde. So it's not, it's subconscious, but it's not something that you can actually control unless you've actually practiced those different areas of personality. So that's in a nutshell, and we'll, we'll dive more into that. What I consider stress to be is when you're out of character and when it's kind of in that stage where there's fear involved and you're not just quite sure where you need to go. The way I change management is very similar to stress management, but Linus without his blanket, if you've ever seen Snoopy or Peanuts, it's yes. that, that fear of it just doesn't feel right and it's this stressful state. And I know that again, on the emotional side, I've just started diving into emotional differentiation and you're an expert in that area. So what do you define as stress? Yeah, I just um, I just launched my in-person stress management workshop into a digitized workshop because I don't know when I'll be back in person again. And I really redefined it because the way I used to define it was all of the external things. But um, when you really unpack what stress is, it's the mental and emotional load um, and re inner reaction, if you will. Like you said, your behavior, your attitude, your personality, that's caused by the external stressors that are triggering you. So the, the, what, the way we usually look at stress is external, right? Like it's all the external things that are happening to us, but those are stressors, right? Those are stressors. Um, stress is actually what's going on in your brain, in your body, um, sometimes just right down to a cellular level. And um, it's the mental and emotional load. And of course, if we are burnt out mentally and emotionally, it starts to affect us physically. So that is my definition of what stress is. It's the inside stuff that's going on, not the outside stuff. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that um, I know that we both talk about because we, we do these things, we used to do these things together is normal stress versus roller coaster stress. So <laughs> um, that's what I call it. So, uh, which is chronic stress. It's just roller coaster just sounds just way better than chronic stress. <laughs> so um, what is in in your in your opinion what is what is normal stress like what is the cycle of normal stress what is normal stress because i don't want people to think like oh i can never feel stressed out what is normal stress that people would be experiencing so there's different forms of stress obviously and a little bit of stress is really good for you and we do need stress in our lives and on the personality side we 
exaggerate our strengths and our personality type under small amounts of stress. Okay. So that's, you know, if you need to get a project done, we get motivated, we get it done. And there's actually this surge of energy and it's not a bad thing. If we had no stress, who would get up in the morning to go to work? Like nobody. So I think people just blanket stress as this one area of life that we want to avoid. And my favorite TED talk, and I generally, if I have a full day workshop, I'll play the whole 14 minute video and it's Kelly McConaughey, and it's how to make stress your friend. And she talks about if you can retrain your brain, how you view stress, they've proven that it doesn't have to cause cardiovascular disease and your blood vessels do not restrict if you've trained your brain to see stress as something that will create resilience and courage. So they have proof, scientific proof, that it does not have to cause illness and death unless you believe that it will. So I really like what you're doing on the stress side of things. And it's, it's about mindset first. Absolutely. Because, and again, I think what really gets us um, caught up or sort of puts that obstacle in front of us is the actual name, like the actual word stress, because it does have so much negativity surrounding it. Um, whereas like, so for example, yesterday, I had a really busy day yesterday, but it was all fun. It was all great stuff. Like the work that I was doing was really fun. Uh, the zoom calls I had were really fun working on my workshop. It was all really fun. And I had all of these deadlines, but it was all really fun things. But I noticed at about three o'clock, um, of just constantly go, go, go all day long. Plus I had a, plus I did a weight training workout in there with my personal trainer. So it was a lot mentally and physically, um, on me throughout the day. I noticed when I got up to go grab a coffee, um, my nervous system was, I, I was very, very tuned into my nervous system. My body felt a little shaky. I was talking extra, extra fast because it was a lot of excitement. So even though it was all good things, that is stress on the body because my hormones are heightened. Like everything is heightened so that I can get that work done. My excitement's really high. My adrenaline is pumping. And that is a form of normal stress on your body and your nervous system's reacting. Now, my nervous system's not reacting in fight, flight, or freeze in a negative way because I'm not in any danger, but it is reacting to keep me going and keeping my, keeping my adrenaline pumping so that I can do what I need to do. Yeah. So it was, it's, it, it's exciting stress, but it had a beginning, a middle and an end. So I ended it. And that's what I talk about is the normal stress is the phase one is the stressor comes and it can be on the negative or positive, right? You face the challenge, um, you face the demand, you you're in the middle of a project and then it goes because you've dealt with it or you've finished it or you've solved it. And then your body relaxes and you're no longer feeling that, you know, physically emotional or mental impact. So when I stepped away from my desk yesterday and I went and sat on the couch and put some Christmas music on, the emotional and mental impact and physical impact of my day was done. It's just over because I'm allowing my nervous system now to slow down. Correct? Yeah. But what happens is, and I know we both see this in our line of work, is we sort of get stuck 
in phase two, um, or actually we get stuck between phase two and phase three, where even though it, the stressor, the external stressor ends, we're stuck still experiencing the emotional, mental, and physical impact of it because we never allow ourselves or, or our nervous systems or um, our, our thoughts even, right? Like that, all the tabs that are open in our brain, we never allow ourselves to get into that rest, um, reset, and recovery stage. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the roller coaster stress when you teach about it or the chronic stress because i i'm because I, I want people to know that that there is it is an actual term chronic stress what do you talk about when you're sharing that with the participants in your workshops on what they can recognize as chronic stress so that um they can recognize if they're in that burnout stage yeah and depending on the industry i'm working with burnout is quite different than compassion fatigue uh, okay. Compassion fatigue would be those industries that deal with death, trauma on a daily basis, like veterinary emergency medicine. They have something called compassion fatigue, where they can get to a very dangerous point where they just leave the industry and never come back. Mm. Whereas burnout, still not good, but much easier to navigate. With burnout, you can quit your job, find a different job in the same industry, and move on with a different team or you know changing the environment. Whereas compassion fatigue is much more dangerous. And coming from the veterinary world, I've really stepped into that and learned a lot about that area. Now, with chronic stress, it's so cool. The research that they've done with Myers-Briggs is there's a book that I have that goes into acute and chronic stress. And for all 16 personality types, it's quite different. The signs that they have, there's certain personality types that anxiety and depression will kick in much more quickly than other types, and there's different resources and remedies for all 16 personality types. And I really wow. love the workshops that I do because what they do, one particular study was 92,000 people, and they've taken people identical to you, and that would be the report that you would receive with different stressors, signs of stress, resources, and remedies. And I, I think it's such a powerful tool, and I'm just a step in the process with stress management. There's so many courses you can take and so many angles that you can go. But I think chronic stress is a much more dangerous state to be in than acute stress. Yeah, absolutely. Because acute stress helps you to get through your day and to overcome challenges and obstacles, um, on the, again, on the positive and the negative side, right? Whereas chronic stress is that like unrelenting, constant mental, emotional, physical toll, right? It yeah. never ends. It, you, it starts from the time you wake up. Um, it, you take it with you all throughout the day and you go to bed with it and start this cycle over and over and over again. It has a beginning, it has a middle, but it has no end. So eventually that creates burnout. And, you know, we, we toss around that term burnout. Like it means nothing like, Oh yeah, I got burnt out this weekend. And it's like, no burnout is a very serious, impactful cause of so many illnesses, not just physical illnesses, but emotional illnesses and mental illnesses, because we just think, yeah, I got burnt out this week and I had a nap and I'm all good. No, that's not what burnout is. That's just, you had a really tough week and you had a nap and then you're all good. Burnout is serious. And I don't think people really understand the toll 
that chronic stress has on them because yeah. they've pro they've been programmed by living in this habit of well this is just normal for me so they live in the pain and they live in the depression and they live in i call it taking up permanent residence in stressville where it never ends and for you and what you teach because i really love that because you talked about how like it affects so many different types could you go through like maybe two of the highest percentage types and give examples on how different they are. So I know like there are some types that are a low percentage and some a higher percentage have this type. Could you go through a couple and the difference between how they react to it? Definitely. So I'll use my type as an example, just because I know it very yeah, well. Absolutely. You and I are very similar as well, almost identical in type. We're normally very energetic, very upbeat, we're compassionate, we care deeply about other people, our intuition is always on, we can read it very quickly and trust it. We really like to make a plan, get things done, check them off our list. That's ENFJ in a nutshell, that's our personality type on a happy, normal day. Yep. Under acute stress, what can happen is we flip our type and our least favorite area of personality type is the thinking side, which is on how do you make a decision? Usually we're more on values, which is okay. the feeling side. So under a great amount of stress, we'll get, we'll exaggerate because a thinker has a lot of benefits to their personality type. They can be objective. They can remove emotions out of a situation. They like to be analytical, but we will exaggerate that and we will start to pick apart others, then ourselves, then the guilt will take over, then despair takes over. And because we're extroverted, we'll shut off the world, shut off our cell phones. We don't want to connect with others. We start to focus on details because we don't like details in general, but we'll start to focus on details that don't matter and we'll miss appointments for it would be a good example, something we would never normally do or we'll, we won't write down important information. So whatever's out of character for your personality type will come to the surface. Okay. Now what I've seen with clients under more of the chronic stress state in this personality type is they start to just stay there. So for us, we'd have our stressful moment the next day, we'd be back energetic, connecting with people. Yes. Under the chronic state, we might say, well, I think, I think I've become an introvert. You know, I just, I don't feel compassionate towards anyone anymore. And this is just who I've become. That is a very dangerous state to be in because you're not flipped in that moment and then turned back, just like you were talking. Yeah. And I've had clients, usually trauma, sometimes they'll switch an entire letter with their personality type, which is not normal. And they think that's who they've become. Yeah. And they really forget who they are naturally and the circumstances that caused these lows. And that's a really scary state to be in. And that's usually where I see the depression, anxiety, those certain things creeping in. Now, we, don't, we won't go too much into it, but there's quite a big difference between depression and clinical depression. Absolutely. Right? And I just think it's important that people know that clinical depression is an actual chemical imbalance. Yes. And you do definitely need to seek help and counseling and perhaps medication for that. Yeah. And, you know, and there is a difference because one is situational depression, right? And it really goes back to, and I love how, um, intertwined both of our styles are because you know i the way i teach it is it's in stages and but it's the same thing with what you're talking about with your personality type where is you 
you get stuck in that stage too, where even though the external stressor is over, the chronic stress continues because internally, mentally, and emotionally, you think it's still occurring. And if mentally and emotionally you think it's occurring, then your brain is sending signals to your body that even though you're not in the stressor anymore, your body doesn't know, your mind doesn't know the difference. You're telling it that you're still in the stressor, even though it's externally, it's over. It doesn't know. So your body is constantly staying in that state of chronic stress where you're in fight, flight, or freeze. Your nervous system is always on high alert and your body can't sustain that. And that's why typically people experience the burnout or get sick or get depressed um, or can't get out of bed or come down with an illness because the body just cannot be in that stage because our fight, flight, or freeze is just needed to actually help us get us into safety. But if we're thinking we're in constant danger and we're not in any danger, it's just the demands of our life, well, of course we're going to burn out, right? Yeah. So and the other example I'll give, cause I know you asked for two, let's use a bookkeeper. Let's just use a bookkeeper yeah. as an example. It would be about as polar opposite to you and I, as you can get in. <laughs> yeah, totally. So they're full on introverts often. So yes. I'm saying like 90% of bookkeepers introverted, very detail oriented. Yeah. Right. Low on the intuition side, but high on detail orientation. That would be the S in Myers-Briggs. Yeah. Very much. Kill us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, very much on the thinking side. So analytical, they like to debate black and white. They will find the truth in all situations, which you want, for example, in a bookkeeper. You want it to be perfect, detailed, and reconciled. They're often J as well, so they do like to make a plan. So under a normal day, somebody of that personality type would be very calm. They wouldn't generally open up about themselves very often. They would never get emotional, especially in public. They would let you in just enough if you weren't their close friend. So you'd be harder to get to know them. Under acute stress, they flip their type, they would get loud. And I've actually seen introverts in board meetings pound their fist on a table and speak loudly, which is very out of character. Because the thinking side is very analytical, they like to debate, you know, the conflict doesn't really bother them as much. They will get overly emotional and they might even cry in public or have emotional outbursts because they haven't practiced the feeling side of their personality for many years often. So it comes right to the surface. And I've seen this in certain personality types, introverted thinkers often become emotional because again, they're flipping. So that would just be an example of how somebody would be completely out of character in relation to their personality type under a lot of stress. Absolutely. So basically, um, a thinker would be able to, under normal stress, um, would be able to, or even outside of stress, this, their, their personality would say, I'm the thinker of my thoughts, I'm not my thoughts. So would be able to logically get out of that state that they're in so it doesn't affect them emotionally. But when they're under stress, especially chronic stress, and they're flipping their type, they're no longer the thinker of their thoughts. They are their thoughts, and now they're experiencing the emotional reaction to it, right? So they're they're just reacting to something they never would have reacted to before, whereas that's just my just personal type. I'm not a thinker. I'm an emotional person. I'm emotional through and through. Like when someone says, um, what do you think about that? I'm always like, well, I don't know. I'll tell you how I feel about it, right? <laughs> all the time all the time but when i am under immense amounts of stress my emotions are definitely heightened 
but um, they're not benefiting me the way they used to. Like when I'm just my normal personality, my normal type, um, my feelings are my guide. Like they help me through everything. But when I'm under stress, my feelings um, are my biggest obstacle. And they get in my way. So it's just, yeah, I can totally see that because I am extroverted. Um, I've had such a good week and all I've wanted to do is socialize because that's just my my normal tendency, right? Um, But when I'm under a lot of stress, I don't even want to have a conversation with somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And when I'm under a lot of stress, I can't get out of my mind. Whereas usually I'm just like, ah, it doesn't matter what I'm thinking. It just matters what I'm feeling. Yeah. And COVID has been extra hard on the extroverts because Mm. disconnecting them from people and Zoom is okay, but it's not the same as human interaction in person, actually hugging someone if you're a hugger. It's been really hard on the extroverts. Introverts as well. Prolonged isolation is hard on anyone, on the mental health of all of us, but introverts gain energy when they're alone. So a lot of introverts are actually really liking working from home and they don't want to go back to the office ever. It's working really well for them. Absolutely. So I think the the best thing that's going to come out of this is perhaps companies are going to save an insane amount of money on office space and people are going to stay working from home or do a split shift, you know, come into the office these days, but work from home these days, save on fuel. So it's good for the environment. I mean, I think you and I are very much on the optimistic side and we always look at the positives and I think that's never a bad thing because no. of course there's negatives. There's always negatives, but with COVID, you know, animal shelters are empty for the first time in existence. Like there's a lot of positive if we look for it, Absolutely. but if you look for negative, you're for sure going to find it. You're going to find both on both sides. So why pick a side? And that's usually what I let people know is because that's one of the things that causes people to go down the rabbit hole of stress is they think that they have to pick one side of the coin of everything. They have to, you know, even just, you know, one of the practices I teach is the emotional scale. And they'll say, you know, during stressful experiences, um, they're feeling discouragement and they get this belief that they have to stay in discouragement and they have to fix the discouragement, but by staying in discouragement and trying to take action and behave and react and make decisions from the place of discouragement, they just end up further into discouragement and they move even down. So I always say to them, well, pick another emotion as well. Uh, So maybe it's optimism. I don't want to feel discouraged. I want to feel optimistic about the things that I need to do or the shifts I need to make in my business, for example. That was one of mine. That's why I'm giving that example. So I can still feel discouraged while also working towards feeling optimistic and eager about my business. And the way I do that is asking myself, well, how would someone who was optimistic and eager act? What decisions would she make? What choices would she make? What would her attitude be like? And then what happens is now I'm not choosing one or the other. I'm experiencing both. I'm not bypassing my feelings because my feelings matter. I feel it. It matters. Um, But I'm not getting stuck thinking of that. Okay, well, I'm feeling discouraged, but I want to feel something else, but I can't feel that other way because I'm feeling discouraged. It's like work on both, right? And the way you do that, and I know that's what you talk about um, when you give people their personality profile and their full assessment is 
stop trying to change your personality type and change your behavior, right? Just change your behavior. And that's what I'm saying with regards to that. When people get stuck thinking they have to choose a box, well, it's no, you're all things. Yeah. You're all things. So just because you're like, for you, you talk about, you give people the tools on how to overcome their weaknesses, for example, which again is another stressor, right? Um, for people. Well, it's like, well, that's fine. Well, let's take the opposite behavior or the opposite action against the thing that you're the weakest at and focus on your strengths. Yes. 80% of the time, this is based on Gallup research. Mm -hmm. We should be focusing only on our strengths and it proved they've proven this with statistics that you're up to six times more likely to be happy in general in life and three times more happy in your career. If you focus on your strengths Yeah. on goal setting, and I know you're developing a brand new workshop on goal setting. It's also very important to know that sometimes you need to work on your weaknesses to get to the goal that you need to reach. Yes. Right? Sometimes you do need to bring a new behavior or a new skill set or courage, whatever it is. So you do need to get out of your comfort zone at times to get where you need to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the self-awareness, and we've talked about this many times on the podcast, um, with stress, with change, with limiting beliefs, with anything, self-awareness is so key. That's why I love what you do because uh, people forget who they are and these reports give them such a clear look and it validates what they knew about themselves deep down, but it gives them this new tool that they can turn to to say, well, of course that's how I react, right? Like, so it really helps them to have that self-awareness. Um, so I think just giving people some tools, the number one thing is carry around a notebook for a week and just start to pay attention to what your external stressors are and how you react to it. Yeah. And, you know, from my veterinary background, I bring this up in every stress workshop I teach because I think it's so powerful. And I know you have Axel, the most beautiful dog, and I have three cats now. But what's really got me through COVID, because of course I've had down days. Of course yeah. there was months where my profit was 80% less than it was last year because of COVID. But randomly, and this was totally random, my boyfriend brought this cat home that was found and homeless and beat up. And he's had a pretty traumatic life, you could tell. Yeah. And ended up in my garage. And that was August 4th. And four months later, this cat is still on antibiotics. We're working on an ear infection. He's got lots of issues. But I have spent probably dozens of hours gaining his trust, spending time with him, working on patience. And he was a feral cat, so hissing in the corner, swatting, and now I can hold him like a baby. Mm. That was my project that I took on. I didn't know it was coming. But just something as simple as having a pet will lower your blood pressure. It will help you live longer. Your heart rate will be slower. You'll be healthier overall. So I think, you know, even if you can't have a pet, going to shelters, walking the dogs, petting the cats, bunnies, whatever your preference is, that is one of the best stress management techniques, yeah. if you like animals ever. Absolutely. Really what it comes down to is there's obviously, there's so many components to stress management and we can't get into it in one workshop, but what it really comes down to is simple things people can start doing right now is finding a new purpose to redirect your attention instead of just on all of the demands and stressors of your life, because there's always going to be stressors 
always, we're never going to get it all done because there's always something else to do, right? Like, um, it's really changing that programming in our mind. So redirecting it towards someone else, helping someone else, helping a family, helping, helping an animal, like whatever it might be. And sometimes it's as simple as like making a meal or like you said, um, taking in a rescue animal. It's really just redirecting your attention. And what that does is it gives you a new perspective. Yeah. And right? a purpose. And, and a purpose. I, I, I truly believe this because I just, I experience it in my own life. Having a purpose, and I'm not saying you have to go out and be an entrepreneur and start your own business and, you know, be a service-based business the way we have. Purpose can be anything. Having a purpose is one of the best ways to manage stress in your life because it really does give you um, a sense of direction. And that's one of the things that causes us so much stress. And I hear it all the time with my clients is I don't know what my purpose is. Well, it's just find something that you're really good at and share that with whether it's online through social media or share it with your friends and family. That could be your purpose, right? Adam Litzig, I use some of his questions in my elevator pitch in my networking etiquette course. But one of the questions he asks, which I love, is what do you feel that you are supremely qualified right now to teach other people? And that is a question that some people take a couple of days to figure out their answer. But once you figure that out, and it doesn't have to be work-related, but you can be a teacher to others. And I think that is such a powerful place. You know, if I would have been asked that question 10 years ago, 20 years ago, my answer has always been building rapport. So networking, how do you create connections with others? A stranger you just meet, I've always loved it. Mm-hmm. I've been passionate about it and now I teach it. But I never thought about the answer to that question until it was posed to me. Yeah. And it's so important because even as you asked that, I was thinking about it, like what has always been my gift, like since I was probably like a young child, I can remember examples and it's always been doing exactly what I do, which is helping people to navigate the emotional scale, not bypassing it, but really helping them to um, strengthen their emotional and mental muscles. My friends even though I was a hot mess, my friends always came to me for those things, for a new perspective, for help um, when they're going through something emotional. I've always been really good at helping people see things from a different perspective, not with my head in the clouds, but just from that place of optimism. Um, Because I just truly believe that even though I wasn't always experiencing it, I always believed it. So yeah, I, so many people have these gifts, you know, and I even think about that question of people in my life who um, don't use their gifts in a work way, but I'm like, that's totally their gift. And it's the thing everyone goes to them for. Yeah. I wanted to bring this up to you. I thought you'd appreciate this. So you've, you really got me on the emotional yeah. Here. And I bought a book on emotional and not emotional intelligence, emotional differentiation, emotional literacy, which is, which is different. And I was reading this time magazine and I just bought another one on emotions, but I thought this was really cool. They talk about Tony Robbins talked about this 20 years ago. This is not new, but differentiating your emotions. So instead of saying I'm angry, 
No, what are you actually, are you frustrated? Are you feeling guilty? Yes. To pinpoint the emotion helps the logic center of your brain solve the problem. So you can, yes. again, get out of the stress state and go back to normal. But I thought this was neat. They actually talk in Time Magazine about the English language. And we have a lot of good words, but other languages have better words often to describe emotions. So it's okay not just to get out of your language set because a lot of people use the same words. I'm anger or angry or I'm happy. Yes. Well, no, there's 50 words you could use. But they said start stealing from other languages to really pinpoint what emotion you're feeling. And this one I really liked. It's from, it's Finnish. And it's called Orsisu, Extraordinary Courage and Determination in the Face of Adversity. Mm, I love that. Yeah, because I mean, we have courage yes. and resilience, but this is yes. deep. Oh, absolutely. I think that's so important. And actually, it's the, it's the whole um, reason why I created not stress management, but emotional management, even though it is stress management, I focused entirely on the emotional aspect of it. And the first practice that I give that really, um, takes you through the rest of the workshop is that emotional scale, really pinpointing what you're feeling, because it is true. People go to the default of I'm angry and I give examples of, well, are you angry or are you afraid? Because there's a difference. So for example, often when people are, um, maybe they're in an argument with their spouse or a friend um, or someone they just started dating, I, one of the things that I'll ask is, because they'll say, I'm so angry at what they, I'm so angry at that. Like, I'm just so pissed off. I'm like, are you angry or are you afraid that you're going to lose them? Because they're different, it's different because what happens is they're afraid, so they're reacting out of anger. So their actions are from a place of anger, but what they're really feeling is fear. And yeah. that is a completely different thing, right? So, so yes, you could you could stop doing things out of anger but you're totally bypassing what you're really feeling, which is the fear. And that's the way we get out of that roller coaster of stress. We heal the emotional impact. The only way of doing that though, isn't just by removing our behavior of anger or our actions we're taking on anger, but getting to the root of why we're afraid. Because it, it could be we're afraid of, we're so used to being abandoned. So that fear is popping up because we're worried about being abandoned or we have trust issues. So there's an actual real root that is causing us to behave in oh. a way. It, it's so fascinating to me because usually when I get afraid, I get pissed off when I'm afraid of being abandoned or losing someone or I'm afraid or, or I get angry because I hurt someone or someone hurt me. It has, I'm not angry. I'm afraid. And yeah. when I'm afraid, I react in a way that's angry, not fearful because my default is to fight. My default, my natural fight, flight, or freeze is to fight. So of course, in a negative situation, I would get angry makes total sense. And we could yeah. spend an, ex, an extra two I hours won't, talking about epigenetics and trauma transfer through DNA. And sometimes our limiting beliefs are actually from our great grandma and it's not ours at all, but we yeah. really need to revisit at times, not stay in it, mm -hmm. but revisit why you're feeling a certain, and is it actually yours? I took a whole course on this. Is it self-actualized or is it someone else's that you have no business having that limiting belief anymore? Yeah. Subconsciously not. 
And it's just such a fun, stress management as a whole can be a really fun area to navigate. And you learn so much about yourself. My favorite example, and I truly believe, and I'm not sure because you're so mid-zone between ENFJ and ENFP, like, and now I am too, but I truly believe, I think that you and I were both and are by nature ENFJ. So we really like to make a plan. We get energy by having a list. You know, deadlines don't scare us. In fact, we get them done early if we can. It brings us energy. Yes. But what we've done over our lives on purpose to survive entrepreneurship would be a big piece of it is embrace spontaneity and emergence and just being going with the flow. And it's created this amazing presence where we, it's hard to throw us off our game anymore. Absolutely. But it's been a practice. I mean, I've been practicing that for 10 years. It's not like, because I know at the beginning, um, stepping into entrepreneurship, it felt, it was so stressful to try to go against my type. Um, Because I'm not spontaneous. I am not a spontaneous person at all. And it's one of the things that typically stresses me out. Like for me, like I love having a plan and I love the organization. And, you know, even for this, like we were scheduled to start talking um, to meet on Zoom and we're both five minutes early right? Like just getting prepared. So yeah, that was a challenge. And I really want people to understand that, that the things that stress you out. So your external stressors doing the opposite of your natural behavior, your not what your natural personality just wants to do. Um, it's hard sometimes when it's not your strength, but it's actually the thing that begins to create those new neural pathways. And then you no longer get stressed out about it. So the things that I, I do this, I do this consistently, not constantly, but, uh, consistently things that stressed me out, those external stressors, when I first started my business 10 years ago are not the things that stress me out today because I've programmed myself to do that. Meaning I programmed my brain to react differently, to behave differently, to respond differently. And that takes practice. You don't create new neural pathways overnight, right? My best example of that, and you and I have lots of examples being entrepreneurs, what we've done, what we've overcome, but my client, this just blew me out of the water. Speaking of water, (laughs) no pun intended there, but he almost drowned as a child. It was very traumatic to the point that he couldn't even get in a bathtub. Wow. Right. But many years, even the shower, he was petrified for good reason. He was petrified of water and he was in, I don't know exactly what his age was, but he was over 60 for sure. And he was just the most amazing man. And he'd said, well, did you know what I do now? I'm like, no, tell me. And he goes, I'm a certified scuba diver. I was like, what? And he goes, sometimes you just have to take on your fears head on. And so that was a really good example. Like that's an extreme. Yeah. But these smaller behaviors that we work on every day, it's not as extreme and it works just as well. But that was a great story to remind me that, yeah, you can overcome a lot of things if you really put focus to it. Absolutely. And again, it's not saying you're never going to experience normal stress. Yes. What we're, what we both teach and what we both practice in our own lives are the tools and practices that help you to not go into chronic stress, to not get stuck on the, that roller coaster, unable to get off, but instead to do things that help you to overcome those fear, overcome those behaviors, um, to overcome those um, negative defaults, if you will. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's so important. 
my cousin Darcy Lang, and she's she's so similar to you, and and of course my personality type too. But she teaches focus on the ninety, right? Focus yeah. on the positive ninety percent of your life instead of putting a magnifying glass on the negative ten. Yeah. And from what you teach, what she teaches, what I teach, I think there's a lot of positive to take out of it. But yeah. stress is still going to be there. You're not going to be, you know, as they say, a Pollyanna. You're not going to be happy all the time. That's not realistic. It's not realistic. But you can, you can constantly be a conscious. I think that's where it has to come from. Your subconscious runs like 88% of you. So you have to like actually force yourself to pay very, very close attention to your behavior and what you're doing and the actions you're taking and the decisions you're making because some of them support you when you're in those very stressful experiences and some of you some of them compound the stressful experience even more and take you even further down that rabbit hole because I see that happen so often where someone's experiencing stress in their life but because they are so stuck in the stress, refusing to believe that anything else could be possible, that there's no way out of this, um, they start to experiences to experience even more stress based on stories that their brain starts to to frame in their mind that hasn't even happened yet. Right, these what if stories. So now you're not just experiencing the mental, emotional, and physical stress of the thing and or challenge you're dealing with. You're also experiencing the mental, emotional, and physical stress of all of the what ifs. Yeah, yeah. When I teach, I teach at Praxis School of Entrepreneurship up in Saskatoon, and I teach a class called Critical Issues. Yeah. And what we do, I didn't invent the class. I teach it and it's great. It sounds mean, but it makes total sense why we do this is we have our new entrepreneurs come up with all their worst case scenarios or worst possible outcomes and write them down. Because those are the things that keep us up at night, the things we catastrophize about. Yes. And then the next step is to figure out, well, what are you good at in those areas? Like, what is your biggest fear, but what are your confidences? Then we dive into okay, let's pretend that thing happened. Let's just pretend it's going to happen. What's plan A, B, and plan C? Love it. And as soon as you do that, it calms your brain. You'll probably sleep that night because as soon as your brain has a plan, it doesn't have to keep ruminating on the what ifs. Absolutely. You're telling your brain that you've got it. So it doesn't need to ignite your defense systems, right? It's not ringing the alarm bells. So there's this wonderful, there's this wonderful book. um, It's by Chris Hadfield and he's a Canadian astronaut. And I speak about it often in a lot of my workshops because I went to hear him speak and he said he's been out in outer space. So there's nothing more stressful, right? Like the the planning that they have to do, because for them, it's literally like, or death. We think life or death. We're experiencing life or death situations with our, our endless to-do list and our challenges and, and right our calendars. Um, we programmed our ourselves to go into these life or death experiences without it. And he says what we do is we plan for every single worst case scenario. We expect the best right? Because we are the best. That's why we're astronauts and we're going out into outer space. We expect the best, but we plan for every worst case scenario. And the way we've 
program our brains not to go into that fight, flight, or freeze is we go through every single solution to every single problem that could come up so that when it does come up, because we do all have a natural defense system, you don't want to freeze when you're in outer space if that's your natural default. But by programming their brain before they even go into space that we have the solution to 182 problems, you're most likely not going to react in your fight, flight, or freeze. You're just going to go into solution-based mindset. You're programming yourself not to think that you're in a life or death situation, even though you are, you're programming yourself to go into instant solution mode. I can get out of this and I know exactly what to do. Whereas he says, if you don't do that before you go into outer space, you're dead the first moment that your mission experiences a, a glitch. You have to program your brain. And I think when you look at it from a scientific perspective and not just an emotional perspective, even though stress is an emotional game, when you look at it, what is my brain doing here in this situation just naturally, you can look at it from that perspective and then say, okay, well, what can I do then to ensure that I don't go down the rabbit hole of stress or go into chronic stress? Now that I know what I know, what can I do differently? How can I behave and react differently so that it can support me? Um, everything changes because it puts the power back in your hands. You don't have to run away from it, which so many people do, right? They run away even from their emotions because they're not really afraid of the change. They're not really afraid of the stressor, if you will. They're afraid often of the emotional discomfort that they're experiencing because of it. Hundred percent, absolutely. So I want to just end with because we've had a great conversation about just like what's happening to us mentally, emotionally, and physically. What are things people can do? Because I always love to give quick little things people can do if they're experiencing normal stress, or what they can do if they're experiencing chronic stress. Um, I highly recommend, obviously, working with you and having their reports, like really getting it, doing a deep dive into their personality and then taking my workshop as well, um, which is so helpful. But if they can't do that, what are things they can do today to help them to minimize stress so or to not react so negatively to external stressors? I think saying to yourself, I did the best I could at that time is one of the best statements ever because often we we bring the past into the present. I can't believe I did that or said that. Mm -hmm. And this is where a lot of our stress comes from is to forgive yourself, give yourself some grace, especially during COVID, but know that you never have to react that way again. Knowing, and I've had clients say to me, and you taught this for years, I've taught this, that you can create new neural connections in your brain when you develop new behaviors. You can change the structure of your brain to develop new habits. That alone can help mitigate some stress to know that you don't have to stay where you're at. Mm-hmm. And on the goal setting side, I can't wait for your new workshop. And we've done this before our workshops yeah. together and goal setting. If you're having a bad day now, especially with COVID amongst everything going on, think about the future, not tomorrow, not today, but when you're doing say a vision board or even goal setting in general, two to five years from now, Because with COVID, it's hard to say what tomorrow is going to look like because the government doesn't even know what they're going to say tomorrow yet. So start thinking about, okay, but when I can travel again, where do I want to go? And let's get in that mindset because as soon as you get in future orientation mindset, it will change your physiological state. Yes. 
Yeah. Well, we know that just when we future trip on the negative end, right? It changes our stage, right? We're worrying about totally, totally. So, so what you're saying is do that, but do it on the side of optimism where you're imagining what life could be like. And it really comes down to very similar to what I teach, which is um, if you want to feel empowered, well, how would an empowered woman act? What would she think about? What would her behavior be like? What would she, how would she dress? What would she think? What would she do? What decisions would an empowered woman make? And go in that direction even though you're not feeling it emotionally yet, by going in that direction, you will, it will change your state by going in that direction. So I think that's why I always come down to the self-awareness, which is so important. Like for you and I in the work that we do, once they work with us, we're done because they now have the tools (laughs) to be able to make decisions that support them, right? And support their type and support their emotions and support support themselves physically and mentally and emotionally. So we don't typically work with our clients for years on end because we're giving them the tools and practices from just from our level of expertise because there's so many others. And that is real and that's why both of us were so big on the self-awareness piece because now the power is in our hands, not in someone else's. We're in the driver's seat of our life. And that is such an amazing way to live our life from. So we can experience normal stress from what the government might be telling us to do or what's happening around the world with the global pandemic. But we have this deep knowledge knowing that it's still our life, our choice. We're still in control. We may not be able to control um, potentially the lack of freedom, if you will, that the government is putting on us right now, but we have control over our behavior, of our attitude, of our choices and actions and decisions we make. And that is what will help us to get through this very stressful time, not avoid it help us to navigate our way through it because these are uncharted waters while having days when we cry and have temper tantrums and freak out and worry and future trip, but we're able to recalibrate because we have this self-awareness piece. Because I go to, you did a detailed report for me, which I love, and I have it right beside me in in my drawer in my filing cabinet, and I go to it often when I'm experiencing something and I'm like, oh, that's just natural. That's just natural. And then I go to the tools on what can I do? What is natural for my personality type? And I practice it and it always works. Yeah. Getting back to balance. Don't forget about who you are naturally and not so much about the behaviors you need to work on, but what brings you joy based on your natural type. Yeah. So if I'm having a crazy day and my office is a disaster and I don't feel I have time to clean it, Knowing my personality type, it's going to bring me so much energy to color coordinate something or something in a file, right? Because that's bringing back the natural Jolene, which I feel that I've lost some days because of the chaos I now embrace, but that's really who I am. 
Yes, absolutely. I love that. So really what I would just suggest everyone to do um, is carry around a notebook for a few days and really jot down all the things that, man, that felt so good when the pillows were all organized. The small things, forget about the big stuff right now, just those small things because that compounds. Man, it felt really good to label my jars or, oh my God, it felt really good to be spontaneous today and not live by a schedule um, and really focus on that and then ask yourself, how can you incorporate that into your life to be proactive against stress? Because that's so important. Don't wait and just be reactive when an, a stressful experience happens and then try to bring all this stuff into your life. Try to be proactive and really get clear on what makes you tick on the negative side and positive side um, and add those things into your life because it does make such a significant difference. Like it yeah. really, really does. And I think when we start to shift our focus away from trying to solve the world's greatest problems and just solve what's right in front of us right now. And like, if right now that my biggest stressor right in front of me is my desk is really messy, clean your desk. I have other stressors that are, that are bothering me as well. I'm really concerned about Christmas and family gatherings. And I'm really concerned about not reaching my financial goals. And, you know, because I can no longer do in-person workshops, so I've had to digitize everything. I have real big stressors as well that I'm working on solving. But if one thing I can do right now to make myself feel better is super micro, do 18 micro things a day instead of trying to solve in one day the big, the big macro thing. And that will make you feel so much better. And it gives you the confidence that you need and the optimism you need to say, well, I can handle the big macro thing as well. So we're not trying to minimize people's real life stress. You and I have them um, and we focus on them and we're dealing with them and we're doing everything we can to work through them. And we talk to each other um, when we need to support each other and we're having woe is me moments. That's important too. But we do a lot of things at the micro level. I think that's really important, which is like you said, sometimes it could just be, I'm going to take five minutes and go play with my cats. Yeah, absolutely. So I love that. So how can, I'm just looking at the time and I want to be respectful of your time because we can, we can speak personally for hours and this is such a deep dive topic. How can people find you and work with you, um, whether in person or remotely, whatever it might be? Because I think this would be such a good time for people to do these assessments, even as a gift to themselves. Yes. And of course, because of COVID, I'm now a pro with Zoom. So I do, I do a lot of things online, still in yes. person if it's required, which is my preference. But online is great as well. www.jolenewatson.com. Yep. and jolenewatsonatlive.com. So those really easy ways. And my website's just been completely redeveloped. I have the most phenomenal web designer. So I'm so excited for everyone to check out my website. Mm, I love that. And what would be the best place for someone to start to work with you um, if, for example, they're working on finding new tools for stress management? Definitely the questionnaire is the most important piece is when you're, when you're going to fill in the questionnaire, which is based on, well, Myers-Briggs, but Psychometrics Canada owns all of the Myers-Briggs tests that I have access to. You must be in a calm mindset. Okay. And a good mood. 
when you fill in that questionnaire because that's going to reflect how the answers come. So that's step number one. And what I like to do is mail out the reports ahead of time or the books so that you actually have the tactile experience of going through with highlighters. That has power, right? Mm -hmm. 75% retention goes up when you write things down. So it's really interactive. And again, with online platforms, we have polls, we have breakout rooms, and it's it's the second best thing to in-person. I love it. And I highly recommend for any individual who wants to do this for themselves to go through the full assessment um, and really learn because there's nothing more fun to include in your personal and professional development toolbox than getting a bird's eye view into your personality and what is unique to you. And especially you can do it online, but you add a very powerful dynamic to it, helping people really understand themselves and coaching them through it, what they can do. Because knowledge is so important, but how to incorporate that knowledge into your daily life is a whole other deal. And that is what people get when they work with you. So I really love it. And I've taken multiple different personality tests. And I have to say Myers-Briggs and working with you was one of the most in-depth and most profound tools for my toolbox because I am an emotional type this really helps me to use my brain as well. And because my emotions are definitely my guide, but it's really important for me to have the logical side of things as well of what makes me tick and why, right? Like why am I such an emotional being? And it's really helpful. So I highly recommend everybody use that tool for you, uh, from you and work with you. And now that you can do it through Zoom, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, work with Jolene. She literally is sunshine. So that just working with her alone will give you um, a massive stress relief. (laughs) So I can't wait for your new goal setting workshop as well and your emotional workshop. Yes. The emotional management workshop is doing very well and getting such positive feedback. And I'm, I, it, it was intuitively guided because I've always gone from, uh, when I did the workshop, it was very much about the stats and the logic and went totally against my personality of how I wanted to teach stress management. So I took all the stuff out that wasn't my strength <laughs> and I only focused on my strengths and my gifts and the workshop just flowed. All the other stuff Stuff is important as well. And you can get all of those other things from Jolene, from, right? You can get, and from other teachers. We're not saying our stuff and our work is the only work. We're saying it's one more tool for your toolbox. It's one more perspective. It's one more person's gift, if you will, that you can use to help incorporate into your own life. There's many things out there, but we both focus on just the thing that we're so guided to teach by. So I'm really, I'm really excited for the work that you're now able to do online. And I'm really excited now for the work I'm able to do online because we can reach so many more people than we ever could before COVID when all we were doing was in-person workshops. So yeah, I'm really excited for what's to come and we will do one together again when we can figure out how to do it online together from different provinces. Um, we or will when I'm allowed to, I'm just going to come to exactly. Ottawa and stay for a week. Exactly. And we will, I promise, record a workshop where we incorporate 
both of our gifts and both of our tools and practices because I think that would be so powerful. It would probably be about 12 hours, but it would be worth it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I'm now going to say goodbye. um, And thank you so much. And I will put all of Jolene's contact information in the show notes for you. Thanks, Jolene. Bye. Bye. I'm always so sad when the conversation with Jolene ends because I love the conversations that we have. Oftentimes we go into like the deep rabbit hole when we have conversations, especially around something that we're so passionate about, which is emotions and personality and behaviors, like where we can just really go off track and in multiple different directions, which I love. Having conversations that matters is so important. Like, listen, I'm very aware that we're not solving the world's problems with one podcast and one conversation, but we can make the world a much better place and have an impact and create solutions to problems that we have in the world by having these types of conversations and having them consistently. And then we have the conversation with each other and then you're having the conversation and you're going to take that conversation with someone else and then it has a domino effect. And that is the whole reason and purpose and meaning behind Contagiously Positive. So as I promised, I'm going to share with you a little exercise you can do to help you when you're experiencing an emotional um, or mental reaction to an external stress. So I call it the emotional scale and I teach it in every single workshop. So this is an inside view into one of the exercises and practices that I share in all of my digitized workshops that are at my website, contagiouslypositive.ca, and that I also share and work through with my clients. So this is um, one of my favorites, and it's always the first that I go to because, again, stress is an inside job. And when we remember that, we are able to work at recalibrating what I call our compass, which is our emotions, back to our true north, back to feeling the way that we want to feel while not bypassing the way we are currently feeling. We all have a compass that guides us and it guides us in our decision making and it guides us in our behaviors and our attitudes and our actions and our reactions. And it's also the first indicator when we're experiencing stress. And that is our emotions, frustration, fear, irritability, panic, anger, hopelessness, hope joy, eagerness, motivation, they're all on this vast ever-moving emotional scale. Um, And we use the emotional scale as our guide because sometimes when we are stressed and that stress continues to compound and gains momentum, it's really difficult to name how we're even feeling because we're so frustrated and we're so upset and we've we've gone down the rabbit hole so far that we're we find ourselves saying I just not only can I explain how I'm feeling I don't even know how I'm going to move out of this feeling and this practice will really help you to do that what we're really doing in this practice is we're feeling our feelings But feeling our feelings doesn't mean we have to act on our feelings. So what I mean by that is you can feel angry, but you don't need to act on the anger. And this is really important because again, and I will repeat this because it's so important, our decisions are made from how we feel or how we think it will make us feel 
or how we want to feel. So your emotions become your guide. Your emotions are your guide. It's your compass and they are your truest, truest guide. What I want you to do first is I want you to imagine if you just experienced an obstacle or challenge um, and you are feeling the stress response of it and you begin to think, well, that makes me feel so discouraged. How am I ever going to overcome this? Maybe I should just give up. I, I don't even know if there is a solution to this. And you really go down that rabbit hole and it gains momentum and then your mind starts to play back all the reasons why you should give up and all the reasons why you should feel stress and all the reasons why you should be in worry and anxiety and fear, whatever it might be that you're feeling. And it even begins to create new stories that may not even have happened yet. So what I want you to do is imagine even further if that discouragement doesn't leave you and you begin to take it with you all day, every single day, and then you begin to react, act, respond, or make decisions from the emotional state of discouragement. What I want you to really think about here is would the reaction, action, response, or decision serve you? Would it be the compass that you would want to follow? Would it take you further away from the mental and emotional impact that the external stressor is having you? Or would it compound that reaction, that mental and emotional reaction even more heading you down the rabbit hole of stress and now you begin to take up permanent residence in stressville. Nothing is wrong with being discouraged because as we've already talked about at the beginning, most of us are going to experience obstacles, things that get in our way. We're going to experience challenges. We're going to experience problems. We're going to experience sadness. We're going to have those moments in our lives. Things happen. Life happens. But how often are we left feeling worse for what we did or didn't do in that discouraged state? I'm just using the the feeling of discouragement as an example. There's We have a vast, ever-moving emotional scale. Um, we feel all the feels. So feeling the discouragement doesn't mean you have to act on it or not act on the discouragement. Feeling the anger doesn't mean you have to act on the anger. Feeling the frustration means you don't have to act on the frustration. And again, this is important. I'm going to repeat this because this is something that I really want you to remember. Most of the decisions that we make are made from how we want to feel or how we think it will make us feel, and how we are currently feeling. So many of us have been experiencing a lot of emotions based on the stress of 2020. Because the COVID-19 pandemic left us experiencing so many unknowns, and that ignites our stress response so much we felt frustration we have felt fear and hopelessness and sadness and discouragement like we have been feeling all the feels very a normal very normal emotions to an abnormal stressful situation so we do have this ever moving vast emotional scale and I teach this um 
in the workshop and I use one that I, I have found from this really beautiful book called Ask and It Is Given by Esther and Jerry Hicks and they describe the emotional scale with 22 emotions. So again, this is an emotional game. So um, obviously I'm not able to show this to you in a slide because we're not doing this in a video. So I have put the 22 emotions for you in the show notes so that when I take you through the exercise, you can actually use this as an example to guide you through it. And as always, during our lives, we're either moving down the scale or we're moving up the scale depending on what we're experiencing in our lives, especially when we have external stressors or challenges. Hello 2020, right? So what I want is for us to be able to be in the driver's seat of our emotions, which means feel the normal emotions of frustration or discouragement or disappointment or worry that the external stressor is causing us to experience and not but, this is really important, and also work towards feeling empowered, joy, love, hope, and optimism, which will help us to end the stress response from the external stressor, which is what we talked about at the beginning. The stressor comes, we face it, we deal with the internal mental and emotional impact that it's having on us. And we can do that by working our way towards feeling the way that we want to feel. And I'm going to show you how to do that. So instead of feeling like we have to choose just one or taking out permanent residence in one that doesn't feel good to us and doesn't support us and compounds our stress response even more where we feel like we're constantly like a gazelle being chased by a lion, never never receiving that, um, that relief, if you will, you will practice navigating your way through the terrain. And it is a practice. So when you're being triggered by a stressor, a challenge, an obstacle, anything that might make you feel like what you desire is impossible or your limiting beliefs start to come up or you're, you're stuck in this unknown and change just keeps happening to you, you can use the emotional scale to help you to make decisions that align with how you want to feel or how would you would prefer to feel. So I'm going to take you through the steps on how I practice this and I'll use an example of an obstacle that I experienced in my business that caused me to feel stressed out and I didn't want to take up permanent residence in that stressed out state because I knew that it wouldn't support the changes that I was going to have to make in my business. So step one is claiming how you feel. So the first month in March after the stay-at-home order was issued right at the beginning of COVID-19, I was feeling intense discouragement. I had lost my biggest revenue earner and that was in-person events and workshops and speaking engagements and I didn't know when or if they would come back in 2020 and as I record this, they didn't come back. And around early April, I knew that I needed to take these workshops and convert them into online workshops like, like I did um, with the two that I've already completed completed and I had to do that because it could be another 12 months before I could be in person again. I can't wait two years before I make the shifts I need to make to bring revenue into my life and into my business. But at that time, I really had no motivation and I was just feeling so discouraged 
by having to shift my goals, by having to shift my business and feeling really stressed out that I wasn't going to achieve my revenue goals and just feeling really discouraged with all the work that was going that I was going to have to do to achieve um, my new revenue goals. And I needed to set them. I needed to do it. It's not like I could just sit back. I had to make the necessary shifts in my business, stress included, fear included, worry included, because I needed to shift where that re- where those revenue portals were going to come in from. So each day I'm looking at my endless to-do list and I'm looking at all the things that I needed to do to start bringing in revenue but it felt like I was climbing this endless stairwell and I wasn't feeling enthusiastic about doing it because it takes a lot of work and in person just always feels better for me because I'm an extrovert. But instead of bypassing, and this is so important, instead of bypassing these very normal emotions that I was feeling in a very abnormal, challenging, stressful situation, I simply just started with claiming how I was feeling. And that is the first step. And I always say this and I write this often and I talk about this often, claim it before it claims you. So I simply said to myself, because I I, I truly believe that the way we speak to ourselves matters. And I said, I'm feeling so discouraged. I'm feeling so discouraged about everything that I need to do. And I just don't know where to begin. And that's okay. That's okay. And I just felt what I was feeling. And I acknowledged what I was feeling. And I claimed it. And I just looked at what was in front of me. And I simply asked myself, what is one step on that very, very big staircase that you can take to open up a new portal of revenue for your business. So by claiming it, I was instantly able to shift my emotions. It was just a little micro shift, but it was significant enough because it helped me to remember and to acknowledge that what I was feeling was okay. Of course, I was feeling discouraged. Look at what's happening in the world right now. I had to do something really hard, even though I know, I know that I can do hard things, but it doesn't make it any easier. And I just said, you know, you have a lot of work to do. You have a lot of work to shift your revenue goals. Um, You weren't ready for that. So that's okay too. So right now you're at the state of you have to get ready to be ready. What is the first step that you can take? And by having this conversation with myself where I claimed it all without shame, without, you know, self-sabotage, it made me feel just slightly better. Even a little micro step is better than nothing. And I didn't go straight to how I wanted to feel. And I didn't go straight to completing and doing all the things that I needed to do. But that is okay. I went from feeling discouraged to frustrated about what was happening around me, what is happening in the globe, the effect that it's having on me, um, my personal and my professional life. And I normalized my emotional response to the external to the external experience. I cannot control my external circumstances. I have no control over COVID-19. But what I do have is the ability to normalize my emotional response to it and make a decision. Am I going to take up permanent residence in this state of discouragement? And that is step one. Claim how you are feeling. Step two, this is usually the simplest, is just simply to acknowledge how you want to feel. So if our emotions inform our decisions, and they do... 
then the second step is just simply to acknowledge how you would prefer to feel. So in my case, using the example that I've been sharing with you, I don't want to feel discouraged. I don't even want to feel frustrated, even though both are okay and very normal. But again, I don't want to take up permanent residence in it. I looked at that emotional scale So I have that scale like right up on my computer because it's just a really good guide for me to help me to understand that this is the thing that I have control over and all of them are normal and they're all a part of us as a human being. And I looked at the scale and I'm like, well, I would much prefer to feel enthusiastic about the changes that I need to make in my business and the changes that I need to make in how I reach my revenue goals and the new portals I need to open by digitizing my workshops. And I would much prefer to feel eager to do the work that needs to be done. But really what I want is I want to feel empowered that even in this difficult situation, I'm able to shift my business and generate new income streams for myself and my family and still serve my community, but just in a different way. Wow, like that was such a powerful conversation to have with myself. And I truly highly recommend you speak to yourself in this way. Again, not bypassing how you are feeling, but really being conscious of how you want to feel and why. The impact that it's going to have on you and how powerful you actually are. Step two is the easiest. How do you want to feel instead of how you are currently feeling? Step three, this is where the challenge comes in and where you really need to be motivated to your practice. So as I was working through this and doing what needed to be done, I started to feel optimistic and I started to move up the scale, if you will. And that optimism was um, a much better feeling and it was a much better emotional compass to follow. So I knew how I would prefer to feel, but I'm also not bypassing how I how I was feeling and trying to pretend because I don't believe in false positivity, but I do believe in being optimistic. And I also believe that what we resist persists, which is why step one is so important, which is claiming it so it doesn't claim you. So using step two, I use that as my guide. I use how I want to feel simply as my guide. So I'm able to think about and plan around the actions, including my thoughts and including my attitude, including my decisions, including my reactions and responses on what I could do to move up the emotional scale and to make decisions that would help me strengthen my emotional, mental and mental muscles while guiding me towards the new revenue goals that I need, um, the new revenue portals, if you will, that I need to open these digitized workshops so that I could achieve my revenue goals so I can put food on the table for my family and I can keep doing this work for all of you. So when I was making decisions from the place of discouragement, I wasn't taking any action. And I wasn't taking any action, taking any action because I was still stuck in a woe is me. I was stuck in coming up with a problem for every single solution, coming up with all of these excuses. And I was stuck saying there's no way I can take all of these in-person workshops and make them digital. Who's going to buy this? Who's going to want this? Like I was also doing a lot of busy work saying, you know what, I'll just wait until I'm feeling better and I'm in the mood. But the thing is, 
I'm not getting in the mood. I'm not getting motivated and feeling inspired because I continuously make decision or continuously was making decisions from the way I didn't want to feel from the state of discouragement and that just made me feel more of what I was feeling because I was continuing the same cycle and that was also making me move down the scale even further because now I'm starting to feel guilty now I'm started starting to feel worried worried now I'm starting to have anxiety because money is starting to run out and then my self-worth starts to come into question my confidence began to drop and all of this fear came at me um, because now I'm experiencing financial stress and that did not feel good. So to do what needed to be done, I began to start making decisions from how I wanted to feel even though I wasn't feeling it yet, right? So I'm not, this is not false positivity. This is working my way with my actions towards feeling the way I want to feel, framing it as questions. So if I want to feel empowered, what would a woman who felt empowered or enthusiastic or eager do? What decisions would she make? What actions would she take? So again, not false positivity. I'm feeling the way that I'm that I want to feel. I'm just not acting on it. I'm acting from a place of how I would prefer to feel. And that is the plan that I created. And I created a plan based from this place. And I started with things that I knew I could complete and complete with ease because what I was doing is I wanted to give myself little confidence boost by giving myself little mini goals to to accomplish in these one hour manageable blocks so that I could overcome and avoid the overwhelm. And I didn't want to... Um, overburden my nervous system I wanted that to stay to stay balanced but what was happening was each step I began to feel more hopeful every hour that I recorded I began to feel more enthusiastic and the more I did and the more I completed even though it was all micro goals helped me to move up the scale instead of down because I'm taking action based on what would a person who felt empowered, enthusiastic, and eager do? What decisions would she make and what actions would she take? And I just kept asking myself those questions. How would an empowered woman react and respond? All right, take action from that place. Listen, this is effing hard to do because everything inside of me was saying, well, you're feeling discouraged. This is too much. This is too much work. And I'm like, no, what would I do instead? Like, what is the opposite of that that limiting belief? What can I do to not let that limiting belief grow? What is the opposite action or reaction? So making your decisions from how you want to feel instead of from the place you don't want to feel, but also being kind to yourself, giving yourself massive amounts of compassion and grace, taking one step, not the entire staircase, knowing that it is okay to feel whatever it is that you are feeling gives you a true north compass to follow. And it prevents you from taking up permanent residence in discouragement or hopelessness or any feeling that you don't want to live in permanently. So I've been doing that for months and I'm almost completed my third digitized workshop. And now I am no longer discouraged. I'm no longer frustrated. And after I completed the first one, which was really challenging, my brain 
develop these new neural pathways because that is what happens when we take action and our behaviors and our actions, whether they support us or not. Our brain creates these new neural pathways and simply by changing my behavior, I actually change the physical makeup of my brain because now I know that I can do it. Now my brain knows that it is possible. Neurons that wire together, fire together. So I'm not going to get into a whole conversation about neuroplasticity. I do talk about that in my workshop. But what I want you to do here is really understand and have the awareness that this isn't woo-woo. You actually are also changing the habits that are, um, well, let's just say habitual, right? Your, Your behaviors that are habitual, your reactions that are habitual. And the more you do the more your brain just guides you by default to do it. And now I'm feeling so excited about all the ones that I could create. And I was only going to create a few and now I cannot create to, now I can't wait to create a whole entire digitized workshop portal on my website. So I went from, there's no way I'm ever doing this. This is not what I, where I wanted my business to go to. I cannot wait to do more. And that is what we're doing here. It, this, all of this just prevents you from taking up permanent residence in discouragement or hopelessness or any feeling you don't want to live in permanently. And I know that I'm making it sound so simple. And again, I know I'm not going to change the world in one podcast. But I believe this conversation is so important because even though the practice is simplistic, it's not always easy. And that is why I keep repeating that word practice because that is what it is and I can't say that there haven't been many tears during 2020 while I shifted um, my business goals and how and opened up the new portals that I needed for revenue to come in the revenue that I lost and I can't say there hasn't been worry or fear or you know nights when I've woken up in the middle of the night but what I do know and what I can say is that I'm no longer at the bottom of the staircase wondering how I'm going to get it all done So we hear all the time, just take one step at a time. And I know how annoying that sounds. And it frustrated me through all of this process as well. And I'm sure it well throughout as well. Um, But as annoying as it is, it is so true. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to compare yourself to others. You're going to get stressed out. You're going to fall down the rabbit hole of worry or anxiety. Um, But If you just take that one emotionally aligned action step per day, even the tiny ones that seem so insignificant, one day someone else is going to be looking up at you while you're at the top of the staircase wondering how you got there. And you're going to be able to share your knowledge and share your lessons and share your wisdom with them. So... If you're right in the middle of having a stress response, if you're just full of external stressors just trying to take you down, cry if you need to cry. Give up for a few days if you need to. Get angry if you need to get angry. All of those feelings are important. They all matter. You feel it, it matters, period. But I promise you, with this practice, including any others and all others that you're going to gather in your toolbox, because there are so many, not just this one, you will get there. And sometimes you might fall down and sometimes it's going to look unpretty and sometimes you're going to fall and you're going to have your dress over your head, (laughs) but you will continue to climb. So I'm just going to check the time. We're 28 minutes in. I'm going to do something. 
I, I, I don't mind spending a little extra time. Usually what I do when I do this workshop when we're in person um, is we do this exercise together and you get to ask me questions and I get to guide you through it. And I love that. That is like that's the one thing I miss about doing in-person workshops. Um, what I want you to do is I actually want to workshop this with you right now here on the podcast. And we're just going to recap these steps together and we're going to workshop it together right now. So what I highly recommend is either come back to this um, and do it later when you can. Um, but if you can right now, grab a notebook, grab a pen and paper and let's do this right now. And if you have any questions, just send me a message. I'll guide you through it um, or go and take either my emotional management workshop, which is beautiful and digitized, um, or my Unleash Your Limiting Beliefs workshop, because both of those um, are a really beautiful place to begin when you're overcome with external stressors that are causing you to feel the negative emotional and mental impact that it's causing you. So let's do it together. All right. Step one, if we're recapping, that's really simple. Claim how you're currently feeling. So take a look at the emotional scale. I put it in the show notes for you. And again, a really beautiful book is Ask and It Is Given by Jerry and Esther Hicks. It does come at it from a more spiritual perspective. So I will just let you know that um, it does have come from the perspective of being very spiritual and connecting with the universe. So if that doesn't resonate with you, just use this practice because in this practice, we are taking that spiritual practice, but we're using it to program our brain to work for us instead of against us by developing new neural pathways. So take a look at the emotional scale and if you could put a name to how you're currently feeling, whether you're in a stressful situation or not, where are you on the scale? So just all you're doing here is you're taking full responsibility for it. No shame, no self-sabotage. You're giving yourself grace because as I keep saying, you feel it, it matters. Just claim it so it no longer claims you. You're not bypassing it, you're claiming it because remember what you resist persists. Step two, this is the easiest in the situation you are currently in that is causing you to experience that mental or emotional, even physical response. How do you want to feel instead? Easiest, peasiest. Step three, what actions, reactions, responses, or decisions can you and would you take if you felt this way? If you felt what you wanted to feel in step two, what actions, reactions, responses, attitude, or decisions would you take to feel this way? What do you need to do to feel this way? Decide what you really want and then be purposeful and deliberate in getting it. And it's going to mean you're going to have to resist every single urge to take action on how you're currently feeling and instead take the action on how you want to feel, what that person would do. So what I, what I encourage you to do is to establish daily routines, even little rituals that will help you to keep your emotional compass calibrated and just continuously moving towards what you want, even if it feels slow. And if you fall back and you go backwards for a little bit, that's okay recalibrate your emotional compass go back to number two ask yourself that question from from step three what actions reactions responses or decisions you know would you take if you felt this way and then move forward again and just keep the image of one step at a time in your mind not the entire staircase 
And then you're aligning yourself with actions that allows you to feel even just slightly better. And that is what we're doing here. It's about those little micro steps, those little micro behavioral changes, those attitudinal changes, all micro because it's the micro ones that compound. And it's a process of consciously being aware of how you're feeling and then deciding if you are okay with where you are. And what this does is it puts you in the driver's seat of your life where you are consciously seeing where you are moving up or down the emotional scale. And it doesn't matter where you are. What matters is are you okay with where you are? Whatever you feel, you feel it matters. There's a purpose for all of those emotions that we experience as a human being. But the question is, are my current emotions, actions, thoughts, reactions, responses, and decisions supporting um, my goals, supporting um, the way that I want to feel, or supporting my stress management process, my stress management practices, or are they making me feel even more stressed out? So using the emotional scale, especially using it as your compass to guide you when things aren't feeling right, is what will help you to recalibrate, not just back to how you want to feel, but back into forward motion towards your goals, forward motion towards who you want to be, what you want to do, and even what you want to have. And no guilt, no shoulda, coulda, woulda, no wish I had, no self-sabotage, just simply pushing the reset button and starting again. So I will end with one final share. We do this practice And why I keep calling it a practice is because it is consistent. This is big. What worked yesterday? What was a yes yesterday? What helped you yesterday may not be what works or be a yes or what you need today. And that is okay. And that is why we turn to these practices and we recalibrate and we do it again and we go through those steps again. And I say this because sometimes life happens and we change and what we need changes and how we feel changes and we have no choice but to recalibrate because life has happened. Like hello 2020, right? So whether it's stressors in your career, in your relationships, in your health, with your finances, you're going to be able to use this simple practice and the any others that are in your toolbox or any others that I talk about, any others that you gather to help you along on your journey. So this is just a tool for your own personal life toolbox that you can turn to when you need to take a different path, when you need clarity or when you are feeling emotionally and mentally stuck. You can just use it if it resonates with you in that moment to help you recalibrate. But I'm going to end right here. The tools only work if you use them the tools only work if you use them so i'm sending you all so much love thank you so much for listening to this podcast and being a part of this conversation i hope you all have an amazing couple of weeks and i will see you right back here next time in two weeks for our next podcast bye everyone